Well, good morning, good morning. We're going to be having um, communion at the end of this service today. I'm super excited. I love when we have communion. This is just a packed day. We've got baptism and communion all on the same Sunday. Um, so yeah, it's just action-packed. Good morning. My name is Pastor Justin. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life, and we are in a series we started last week called Hashtag Blessed, and um, I, I called it Hashtag Blessed, kind of a little tongue-in-cheek, because uh, if you're on social media, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, um, that kind of Hashtag Blessed follows a whole lot of posts that you see these days. Whenever something goes right in somebody's life, they, they, they get a windfall, money, raise, uh, their kid gets signed to the New England Patriots, um, you know, you get paid a compliment, whatever, there's usually that hashtag afterwards, hashtag blessed, right? Like God's, God's blessing me. It usually is associated with things that we enjoy in our life, things that we like added to our life. Um, but Jesus, what we find, uh, defines blessing differently than the way I normally would define blessing. I, I like to define blessing by things that I get, and Jesus defines blessing by things that we give. So let me read for you. Uh, the Apostle Paul quotes Jesus in Acts chapter 20. This is what Paul says. He says, In everything I did, I, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words Lord Je the Lord Jesus himself said, this is what the quote is, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And this, this sounds good. I mean, we've, we've, we've heard that before. It's kind of an adage that people say, and we're like, yes, that sounds good. Like, it's more, it's, it's more blessed to give than to receive. But the reality is that it flies in the face of how we normally measure blessing. Um, when, I, when I look at blessing, I usually measure, measure blessing by what I receive, not what I give. The things that are added to my life, I'm like, man, hashtag blessed. Things are, things are going really well. In fact, I, I have a hard time seeing blessing as me having less. Like, that doesn't equate to me. It doesn't make sense. So, in some ways, we like the saying, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. But in actuality, I actually like to receive. <laughs> Sometimes a whole lot more than, than I like to give. And uh, Jesus is saying that we're blessed when we choose to stop seeking after blessings and choose to live a blessed life of giving. And, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. What we talked about last week is this, this kind of like, it, it flips things on its head um, and, and doesn't necessarily make sense and flies in the face of what our culture defines as, uh, as, as blessed. And so the reality is, is that you were meant to overflow. That, that's, that's how God created us, that we're meant to overflow in so many different areas of our life. We're not meant to just contain and to hold we're meant to receive and to release. We find this in John chapter 7, verse 38. This kind of like imagery that Jesus says. He says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. There's this idea that like when you, when you come to faith in Jesus, when you receive his grace, when you receive his forgiveness, when you receive that which you don't deserve, it's not meant for you to just hold on to and say, wow, isn't this great? I, I, I feel good. It's meant to flow out of you. He says, that's why he says that rivers of living water will flow out of you. You were never meant to gather and hold. You were meant to receive and release. And time and time again, we find this, this idea in Scripture 
about generosity and about giving. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another person withholds unduly, but becomes but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. This whole idea that we are more blessed to give than to receive. And I, I just believe that today's message is is truly a key to releasing blessing in your life. And it comes in the most um, <laughs> unlikely ways, way that, that you don't necessarily hear. It's not necessarily talked about um, in, in our culture, in our American culture today. But I believe that this message has the power to take you from surviving to thriving, from just getting by to living a blessed life. And, it, and, it, and it, I'm just going to warn you ahead of time, it may not make complete sense to you because this is a message that your flesh and the spirit of this world will fight against, but it is the key to, to, to finding blessing in our life. And it's something called the tithe. And, um, and you, if you're taking notes, you'll see that on your, on your sheet of paper um, under hashtag blessed. I was, I was going to come up with a schnazzier title um, to like soften it. You know, I was like, I was going to call it like trust fall or some, some witty little thing like that. And the Lord was like, no, you're going to call it the tithe. I was like, really? Really? Like, okay, that, that sounds great, you know? And so for some of you, you're like, oh man, I brought a guest today. Are you kidding me? You know, and for some of you, you're like, really? I was going to sleep in. Seriously? We're talking about money in, in, in church? Here's the thing. I told Pastor Jeff, this was probably, uh, well, I was just realizing this morning that this is the two-year anniversary of, of this transition um, of me as, as senior pastor here at New Life. And yeah, it goes by quick. <laughs> it's, I was thinking it's kind of like marriage. It goes by really quick and, and, takes, and goes by long. Like it feels like yesterday and also a thousand years, right? All at the same time. I told Pastor Jeff this probably two and a half years ago. I was like, there's really one thing that I don't want to talk about. I don't want to have to preach on. And uh, he's like, yeah, what's that? I was like, uh, tithing. Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not excited about that because people get offended when you talk about money in church. And so there's like this fear that's associated with, with talking about finances when, when you're in church. And I've been praying about it this week. And of course, like all hell breaks loose, you know, because you're, you're going to be talking about something that Satan doesn't necessarily want you talking about. But this, that argument of, well, people get offended, so that's why I, I don't want to talk about it. It doesn't really hold water because as I was processing through it, like, I'm not scared to, to preach on forgiveness, and I know that some of you get offended by it. Like, well, we're supposed to forgive, and so that's just part of what the Christian life looks like. I don't get scared uh, to, to preach on fasting, even though we all love to eat, right? I mean, and we're like, yeah, I don't really want to starve myself. I, I like dieting in theory, but not in practice. And um, I, I, don't get, I don't get fearful when we preaching on servanthood, even though some people get offended when you talk about serving and, 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 and generosity. Um, so I was asking the Lord, like, why, why is there this fear that rises up when we talk about giving, when we talk about finances, when we talk about tithing? And the Lord asked me four questions this week. Like, and you're like, but the Lord asked you, he never, he barely asked me one. He asked me four questions and I wrote them down because they happened like this. One, two, three, four. And I'm just going to read them to you because this is what made it resolute in me to talk about this today. 
um, the first question he said, he said, do you get a raise when the giving is higher? I was like, no. Okay. He says, do you, do you tithe and believe that it is a key to blessing in your own life? Absolutely. Do you think that it could be a breakthrough in another Christian's life? Yes. Do you love them enough to tell them the truth? Okay. These are the questions Jesus asked me. I wouldn't ask myself any of those questions, right? And I'm like, okay, all right. So it's settled in my own spirit. But there's this like, I don't know if you can sense it, but like there's this like, this sucking sound. You feel that? You hear that right now? It's like all the air is getting sucked out of the room, right? It's just like, you hear that? <laughs> you feel that right now? Okay, I'm just making sure. Because it's like this, 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 this odd thing. Jesus tells us that the love of money can actually be driven by a demonic spirit. There's something more that's driving behind just talking about this. The Bible calls it the spirit of mammon. And in, fa in fact, Matthew 6, 24 says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In other words, in other translations, it says both God and mammon. Essentially, Jesus is saying, that money can be a counterfeit God. <laughs> and what we find is that whenever we're talking about a counterfeit God or an idol or something that, that, that we're putting our hope and our faith and our trust in, apart from God, whenever we're confronted with truth that we don't necessarily know quite what to do with, we have two choices. One is to have conviction, and the other is to have offense. When truth comes, like let's say after church, you, you just come and you're, you're just, you're bringing some, some truth to me that you're confronting me about something that I did said or didn't do or whatever. I, that's truth that's coming, sitting in my lap. I have a choice. Either I can choose to walk in conviction of that through the Holy Spirit and choose to walk in repentance and, you know, forgiveness and all that, or I can choose to walk in offense towards it. Because if you don't know what to do with conviction, it's a whole lot easier to rise up a, a, a wall of offense when you don't necessarily know what to, what to do with it. And when there's a topic like this that is demonically inflamed, we can often find ourselves getting offended at that which God is convicting us of. Does that make sense? I'm just wanting, wanting to bring out some truth here um, before, we, before we dig into it. Um, let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that all throughout your word, you teach us how to be and live a blessed life, how to be and live more like you. And so God, I pray we dispel any, any spirit apart from the spirit of God this morning. God, I pray that you would bring truth, Lord, not because you want to be a buzzkill on our finances, but because you want to create a pathway of blessing so that we as followers of you can truly find what it looks like to live a blessed life. Lord, we thank you for your truth we rest in it and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so this word tithing, this word tithe is kind of a weird word. It's a churchy word. We, um, we only use it in church. I've never heard anyone <laughs> outside of church use that word. In fact, when I first got saved, um, I used to think, just because no one really taught on it, I used to think that the word tithe meant um, some offering or gift that I gave to God in church. I thought it was like a holy gift right? Like there was, 
I didn't have any teaching on it. So I was like, when they were like, hey, let's stand. We're going to collect our tithes and offerings. It was kind of like, oh, tithes are just like an offering that I give at church. And that's, that's the definition of it. But the reality is the definition of the word tithe is actually very literal. It just means a tenth. It means 10%. That's the definition of the word tithe, 10%. Um, it refers to the giving of the first 10% of your income. We find it all throughout Scripture, all throughout Scripture. I remember when I was in high school, and uh, I was working at a pharmacy, and I was making big money. I was making $200 a week, and it was, it was, it was, that was a lot of money for me. And I remember, so I was making $200 a week, so my tithe, when I started tithing, was $20. And you may be like, 20 bucks? I, I spent that at Panera on soup right? You know what I mean? Like, and the reality is you, you do. Like, you go after service, good luck. 20 bucks for soup. Um, and, and for, but for me, I clearly remember the first time I tithed, and I put that $20, and I was like, dang, that's a lot of sweet moolah. Like, I'm like, this is, this is a big deal. My, tw that 20 bucks, and that may not be a lot to you, but for me, that 20 bucks was huge when you're only making $200. And, and, and from that point on, this was like 25 years ago, so like, from that point on, as I've, as I've tithed, I, I make more than $200 a week now, and then my wife gets a job, and she's working full-time, also making hundreds of thousands of dollars as a CEO of a fourth-grade class in public school. And, <clears throat> and so we're like, we're rich, and we're flush, obviously. And um, it got bigger and bigger and bigger, and, and so did my tithe. Like, I, I'm thinking my 10% got bigger, but the reality is so did my 90%, right? Come on. Let's not forget that. Anyone, all right, anyone ever watched The Biggest Loser? Ever? I know it's like maybe a few years ago when it was on and stuff like that. I, I used to watch that all the time. I love that. When I first started watching it, I thought there was inequity in the show. Why? Because somebody that had like a couple hundred pounds to lose versus somebody that had a hundred pounds to lose, the person that needed a couple hundred pounds to lose, they'd lose like 11 pounds in a week. And it was like, dang, you were working hard, right? Like, holy cow, 11 pounds. The person that had 100 pounds to lose, they'd lose like five pounds. And, 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 and then they would tally it all up, and it would be the same percentage. They were equal. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's not fair. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't good at math. That's why I talked. And so, like, I was like, this is not fair. And then my wife was like, Justin, are you serious right now? She's like, it's, it works on percentage, which means that it makes it fair for everyone, Right? So you lose five pounds and you have 100 to lose and you lose, you know, 11 pounds, you have 200. Like, it, it all equals out. And I was like, what? This, this doesn't make any sense to me. And I think that God uses the percentage because it's a fair to everyone thing. So it doesn't matter if you make the $200 a week when I was a kid or you make $2,000 a week. It's, 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 it's penny on the dime, right? I mean, it's, it's the same thing. It's a percentage. And you may think, well, my, but Justin, like, my 10% is bigger than your 10%. Well, your 90% is bigger than my 90% as well. <laughs> so now that we have this definition of what the word tithe means, which I think is really important for us as Christ followers to understand when we read through Scripture to understand what the actual definition is, um, I want to talk for just a few minutes about why, why did God institute the tithe? What is the purpose of it? Because I truly believe that for some of us in here, if we can truly grab a hold of the spiritual principle and apply it in our own life, 
I, I, I really truly believe that it is a pathway of blessing that maybe if you're in a place of stuckness, if you're in a place of like, man, I just, I don't know why I keep coming up against this. There are things, there are, there are ancient paths, so to say, that God has located that if we choose to walk in them, we find blessing that we didn't know we could find. All of a sudden now, through an unlikely way, we find freedom and release where we thought this doesn't make sense. This is obviously not going to equate into blessing. So there's five points for you this morning. The first one is this, that tithing moves us from a me-first mentality to a God-first mentality. Inherently, that's what it does. For me personally, it causes me and reminds me every single week that I need to move from a me-first mentality to a God-first mentality. Why? Because we are naturally born. I found this out when I had kids. We are naturally born with a me-first mentality. The first word that my kids learned, apart from dada, which was awesome, um, was mine. That was it, mine, mine, right? They, they, they wanted to, to, to hold on to that which they thought that they were given or had. So I wanted to read this to you. This is, <laughs> I found this. This is property law according to a toddler. Catch this. Property law according to a toddler. Tell me if this is not true. Any of you have kids. This is property law according to a toddler. If I had it first, it's mine. If I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If it looks just like mine, it's mine. If, if you put it down, it's mine. If I put it down, it's still mine. If it's broken, it's yours. Is that so true? <laughs> and here's the thing, as I was reading through that, I was like, I'd like, I, I like to say that I grew out of that. Like, I like to say that that's not how, how I think sometimes, but the reality is, is I think that sometimes we deal with that in a very real way even as adults, which is why the tithe is the first 10%. Why? Because the me in me always wants more and more, and it doesn't really leave anything left for anybody else. Why? Because if I have it, it's mine. It's not for you, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours, but everything else is mine. And that's why I think God says that this is the first fruit offering. This is the first tenth. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And you may be thinking, like, I, like that's great. Like, I like that. The, I like the overflowing new wine. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that sounds all great. But I, I, can't, I can't afford to tithe. And believe me, I understand that. When I look in my bag, when I look in the bag of what I have, I'm like, I can't, I can't afford to tithe. Like, I don't understand how this works. I don't understand how, God, you, you continually are providing when it doesn't make any sense to me. And here's what I would say. Is that it, I didn't say that it didn't require faith. It does require faith. I think that that's the essence of why God instituted it. It requires faith to give to God first. Because I want to give to me first. But he says, no, you give me the first tenth. And if you were trusting in your bag, you're never going to be able to tithe. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're kind of looking and trusting, and if your bag is your provider, 
you're never going to get to the place where you're like, man, I just got like all this money sitting around. Like, what should I do with it? You want it? Anyone else? Anyone want some money? Like, I'm trying to get rid of it, right? I got, why? Because I spend right up to the edge of that which I have. And if we're true good Americans, we spend over and above what we already make, right? So we're already at this place of like, we, we pay Visa before we can pay God. Like, we, we got we to gotta, we gotta make up for the deficit that we're in. But listen, you will never be able to tithe until you tithe. That's what I found in my life. I'd never be able to tithe until I tithe. This is the, this is the principle that God talks about all throughout Scripture. And so when we, when we try to give God last, it doesn't really require faith. Because we're, we're giving him our leftovers. And I just believe that God is worth more than my leftovers. He is more, worth more than our leftovers. So tithing is not a, a tip on what's left over. It is a first fruits tenth of what we've been given. This is this principle. And I understand some of you may be like, ah, I don't like this. I don't, are you done? How many points is there again? Like, you know what I mean? But the reality is, is that there's something throughout Scripture where God institutes this for our good. There's something in it that's for our good if we don't understand it. Honor God with your first and best so that he can bless the rest. John 3.16, I love it. I mean, essentially, this is God tithing. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave his first and he gave his best. Before you loved him, before you could pay him back, before you even, even said, yes, this is something that I want, he gave his first and his best so that what? So that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Essentially, he gave his first and best so that he could bless the rest those of us who didn't even deserve it. Tithing moves me from a me-first mentality to a God-first mentality. Number two is this. Uh, tithing is biblical. I, I just want to share some scriptures with you because it really doesn't matter what I think. It's, I hope it doesn't matter too much what I think. You should really care more about what the Bible says. Leviticus 27.30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. He literally says the tithe belongs to the Lord. So the tithe is not ours to decide where we want it to go and what we want to do with it and who we want it to go to. God says that, that it belongs to him. And so essentially, we don't really give our tithe. We return our tithe. He says it's mine anyway. So if you withhold it, he actually says in Malachi chapter 3, if you withhold it, you're robbing him. That's what he says. He's like, and people are like, well, how, how are we robbing you? He says through tithes and offerings. It's his. And sometimes when people will read this and they'll be like, I, I was even talking to people this week, and they're like, well, that's the Old Testament. Like, that's Leviticus. There's a lot of things in Leviticus that, like, we don't do anymore. And, you know, we're, we're not under the law. We're under grace, Pastor Justin. Like, this, that's, a, that's an old way of thinking, an old way of doing. But I want to point something out. The tithe actually predates the law. It actually is before the Mosaic law. Before all of that stuff, the tithe is actually in place. And I was reading this week, and we see it first. I was reading through Genesis, and we see it first in Genesis chapter 4, where with the story of Cain and Abel, which is weird, right? The whole, the whole dispute that happens between Cain and Abel happens when they're essentially bringing their tithe, their offering to the Lord. You could read it for yourself in Genesis chapter 4. Abel comes, and it says that he brings his first and his best to present to the Lord. 
and Cain comes and he brings his leftovers when he got around to it. You can read it for yourself, Genesis chapter 4. And what happens? Well, God accepts Abel's and rejects Cain. And Cain obviously goes and kills his brother. We see from the very beginning that the tithe always is about the heart. It's not about money. It's not about crops and spices and all these other things that they were tithing off of. It always had to do, God always, it was always about the heart and it reveals our heart. And so I, I don't want you to forget that Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Amen? And he not only fulfilled it, he raised the bar. Like you can read throughout scripture, the law says don't commit adultery. Jesus comes along and he's like, not only don't commit adultery, if you look at a woman and lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Whoa. Okay. You know, we read throughout scripture, don't, 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 thou shalt not murder. Jesus comes along and he's like, you just call somebody a name. You call them Raka, you fool. You're in danger of the fire of hell. Wow. So, so sometimes we look at the law, we're like, man, like we're under grace. Well, which one's easier, law or grace, right? When Jesus comes along, he brings up the whole level. So what's the difference between law and grace? If Jesus brings, the, brings up the standard and, and, and we, we we're like, we're not under the law, we're under grace. What's the difference between law and grace? Well, the law requires and grace enables. That's the difference. The law requires something that is very difficult for us to be able to fulfill, but grace enables us to be able to live a life after God. It very, it, it's the very enablement of us being able to live it. So we see the tithe before the law, long before the law. We see the tithe in the law. We just read in Leviticus and Malachi. And so here's my question for you. If Jesus said that you ought to tithe, would you do it? Like if he said in the New Testament, in red letters, because those are the important ones, we think, right? Like if he said you ought to do it, would you take it serious? You're like, I don't want to say nothing. Because I know you've got something up your sleeve, Pastor Justin. I'm going to keep real quiet. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. These guys are tied in cumin. Come on. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. In other words, you guys are like, to the letter. But you've neglected justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And then this is the clincher. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. In other words, you guys are not only tithing your first fruits, man, you guys are tithing dill. I don't even know what that is, right? But, but you've neglected justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And Jesus says you ought to do that, but don't neglect the tithe. He doesn't let us off the hook in that. So here's the reality. Jesus says you ought to do it. So tithing is biblical. We see it in the Old Testament, we see it in the Law, and we see it in the New Testament. Number three, tithing is strategic generosity. Strategic generosity. Now, because I think that what we like to, 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 and what maybe we're good at, is spontaneous generosity. Like, we see a, a need that is in front of us, somebody is begging on the side of the road that they'd like some money, 
we have a friend that is in need of something and, and we go to meet that need. It's spontaneous generosity. We didn't plan for it, it just came up and it's like, I can meet that need and meet it. I just want to say to you, meet that need, do it. Be that person. That is awesome. God wants us to be doing that. God wants us to be blessed people, absolutely. But God also calls us to strategic generosity, not just spontaneous generosity. He says, and essentially that's what the tithe is. You will be more generous when you plan to be generous. Usually doesn't happen on accident, does it? I mean, we have the best of intentions of giving to people in need. But usually, we're, we're the most generous when we plan to be generous. It doesn't happen on accident. I don't know about you, but um, I'll just be honest. Like, when have you ever looked at someone that is richer than you? And you know... You, we all know, like, all right, you're richer than me. You, you got a better car. You got, have you ever looked at somebody that's richer than you and thought, I could rich better than they're riching? Come on. Like, you're looking at them, and you're just like, man, they are not riching well. Like, if I were as rich as they are rich, I'd be riching so much better. I'd be richy rich. Like, I would be, I would be so better at being rich than they are. Why? Because we look at it and we think, like, man, if I was as rich as they are, I'd be giving away half of my money because they don't need it. They only need, they only need to live on this much. You're, I mean, you're completely, like, you're not generous. You're, you're, you're riching wrong. And if I had what you had, I would do things differently. Now, here's the problem. Statistics show that Americans actually give less the more that they get. <laughs> so we have the best of intentions. Like, man, if I had what you had, then I'd give what you're not giving, but the reality is is that Americans give less the more that they get. And so God sets up the tithe that you can be strategically generous no matter how many decimal places are in your salary, no matter how much comes in, you can be strategically generous. Because the tithe reminds me of who my provider is. I don't know about you, but there are times and seasons in my life where I have to be reminded who my provider is. Because if not, I look in my bag and I think my bag is my provider. That which I have in my possession must be my provider. I can look at the, at the person who signs my check and like, that person must be my provider. The reality is, tithing reminds us time and time and time again that God alone is my provider. He is the one that meets my needs. And we need to be reminded of that time and time and time again. Amen? Number four, tithing is tangible trust. Tangible trust. I need, I need, a, uh, I need a volunteer up here, actually, somebody that, uh, that trusts me. I know this is not a good time to ask that question. Um, yeah? Why don't you, right over here. Yes. Mr. Is it Rodriguez? Come on up here, buddy. Yeah, I got you. Got you. Okay, so here's the thing. We did this when I was in youth group um, growing up, and it's called the trust ball. You ever done trust ball before? Yeah? All right, come on up here, man. <clears throat> All right. Um, so the way trust falls work, if you've never done a trust fall, is this. Um, he says he trusts me, which, I mean, yeah. we, we know each other somewhat. Sure. Right. He can grow an epic beard, by the way. Um, and so I, you ask the person, do you trust me? And then they turn around, face their back to you, and then they fall back into your arms and trust that you're actually going to catch them and not let them. I mean, because if I didn't catch you, 
your head would hit here and like split open like a melon, maybe. Or you hurt your back or something like that, right? Good. You trust me? Sure. All right. This is a big boy, too. You guys worried? I'm, I'm 280. 280. Okay. All right. <laughs> yes, we got this. We got this. All right. How about this? You trust Shaheem? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know Shaheem, do you? <laughs> All right. You want to catch him? Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll catch him. <laughs> but you catch me. Okay, you catch me. All right. Well, let's move this out of the way real quick. All right. You trust me? Yeah. All right. Keep your arms out your side. And now when you fall back, man, don't, don't, don't catch yourself. Just let yourself go if you trust me, okay? Go ahead. Whoa, nice. See, thank you, buddy. Good job, buddy. Thank you. All right, you can go. You're good. Wow. I don't know if I trust me. Um, wow. Here's the thing. It's easy to say, I trust you. It's a whole nother thing to go flat-footed, straight back. I'm ready. I trust you that you're going to catch me. And I'm not going to fall, and that you're, you're gonna, you've got me. It's a whole nother thing. We say this all the time, like, I trust in God, trust in the Lord, acknowledge his ways, and he'll direct your paths, and all of these things. Trust in him. But are you willing to do a financial trust fall with Jesus? That's what he's saying. That, like, tithing is literally putting your money where your mouth is. You catch that? I mean, it's literally saying like, yes, Lord, I trust you. Yes, Lord, I, absolutely. I, I know that you have me and all of that. But at the end of the day, our behaviors reveal what we really believe. Our actions, our decisions reveal what's really going on in our heart because tithing really doesn't have much to do with money. You're like, oh, yeah, it does because that's what you're talking about. It, it, it predates money. You think about it. Cain and Abel, they weren't bringing money. They were bringing produce, and dill and cumin, apparently. You know, I mean, like, they were tithing off of th that, their increase. It predates money. It's all about trust. That is the heartbeat of what God is getting at with the tithe. We get hung up on money, and he's just essentially asking you, do you really trust me? You trust me that I'm, that I'm your provider. It's a test of trust that teaches me that I'm not in control of everything that is in my bag. Everything that I have, Lord, is a blessing that comes from you. And I trust that you're going to continue to provide for me the way that you always have. <laughs> Malachi chapter 3 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And I think I, you know, this is like the quintessential verse. Whenever you hear preaching on tithing, they always read Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Like, test me in this. And I've always read this like, like kind of like this. Like, if, if you so wanted to test God, then maybe you should try to test him in giving. If you wanted to, if you wanted to put God to the test, if you were so inclined to, to, to try tithing, you should try to test him in this if you wanted to. But this, this statement, you look at it in its entirety, this is a command, not a suggestion. I mean, he's saying, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this. It's not simply just generosity. It's obedience and trust. 
saying, God, I do. I trust you. And here's the beauty of it. It's a two-way test. It's, it's not just a test of our generosity. It's a test of God's generosity. So when he says, test me in this, he's like, look, you think that you having less is going to not, not be a blessing to you? I'm telling you, if you trust me in this principle, it's going to provide an opportunity, a pathway for you to live a blessed life. And it doesn't make sense to you. But I want you to look at what God wants to do through your obedience in this. Malachi chapter 3, continue in verse 10. He says, test me in this and see. He uses crazy words in this. He says, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. What? And pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. In other words, if you got one of those one of those bags of money with holes in the bottom, you don't know where it goes. He says, I will, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 12, then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Test me in this. Test me in this. Why? Because he wants to throw open the floodgates of heaven. He wants to pour out blessing in such a way that you will not be able to have room enough to store it. Number five, tithing is spiritual growth. Tithing is spiritual growth. You may be thinking, like, as we're talking about this, you're like, man, like, Pastor Justin, like, I need you to understand, and I get this. If I started tithing, I would have to rearrange and reprioritize and reorganize my entire life around God. Exactly. Yep. You got it. Like, because God here, I'm going to let you know a secret. God thinks he's God. Like, he thinks he actually gave you everything you have. It's weird, I know. He thinks that he gave you life and even the breath that you're <clears throat> sucking oxygen in right now, he thinks that he gave that to you. And so he doesn't seem to have much of a problem when you're saying, like, i got to reorient my life all around the person who created me and gave me breath. What the heck? He's like, yeah, it's kind of... Is that too much to ask? That's kind of what this whole thing's about, right? It is kind of about me. Precisely. And here's the thing, and this is what I love about this guarantee. He says, I guarantee you that 90% with my blessing is better than 100% without it. And those of you who, who have trusted God with your time, you're like, man, I absolutely, I just, I... I just know that I know that I know that God has provided in ways that I can't even, I can't even understand. And, and I had this temptation this week as I was preparing. I was like, you know, people even said to me, they're like, well, maybe you should have some people come up and give a testimony about tithing. And you've seen these things, you know, preachers get up and they're like, you need to start giving. And then they show you a video of like, it was amazing. We started tithing for a week and a $100,000 check came in the mail and paid for everything I've ever had, right? And you're like, what? Right? And Listen, God provides in ways that you're just like, man, I just, I, I have no idea how he absolutely just blesses that tithe. I have no idea how he provides in, in ways. I mean, I've had time after time after time, and we could par parade people up here all day long talking about how God has honored that. But here's the reason why I don't want to do that. It's because I want us to get a revelation of giving, not a revelation of getting. 
because if we're giving, thinking, I'm going to give, but you're going to give back to me with interest, then I'll give. But that's not a revelation of giving. That's a revelation of getting. And that's not how God portrays the tithe throughout Scripture. He's like, you know what? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to pour out blessings more than you can handle. But that's not the reason that we give. Tithing is spiritual growth. And for some of you, maybe you're like, man, I just, I, I don't know how I feel about this, Pastor Justin. I get it. I understand that this can be a difficult place, especially when you look at it and you're like, I don't understand. I looked in my bag and this could never happen. Matthew 6, 21 says, wherever, for where your treasure is, there your heart, your heart will be also. I want you to catch that. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, wherever you put your money, your heart will attach to. In other words, Put your money where your mouth is and your heart will follow. So if you're in a place of like, I just don't understand why my, my spiritual life is so stagnant and meh, and I just, I, I want to want more of God, but I just don't know why. I'm just telling you, put your money where your mouth is and your heart will follow. For some of you, it may be a next step for you. Saying, you know what? I've been in this place of stagnant, you know, spiritual growth in my life. I'm just telling you, there is an ancient path called tithing that God has created a pathway for us to walk in blessing and it comes in the most unlikely ways because it doesn't make sense to our earthly minds. It seems like foolishness. I, uh, I don't preach on tithing because New Life Church is struggling. I want you to know that. Because we're not. As a matter of fact, New Life Church is one of the most giving churches I've ever been a part of. What we are, amen. Come on. What we have and continually are able to do, both here and globally, is astounding. What we're able to do to pour into the kingdom through a local church, a small local church in the center of the universe, Biddeford, Maine, absolutely blows my mind. Through people that have strategically generous, that give to the cause of Christ. So I just want to congratulate you in that. I don't preach on that because, because it's a need and, oh man, the, the tithing's down and we need, we need more money. I preach on tithing because I believe in preaching the whole Bible, not just the parts I like. Um, so, so there's that. We need, to, we need to know the whole Bible, even if it's something that we don't necessarily agree with or like or are struggling with or have never trusted him in. I preach on tithing because it is a kingdom pathway that makes way for you to live a blessed life. That's it. And I truly believe, listen, if you would trust God in this area of your life, I truly believe that it is something that would change your life and your marriage and your finances and your children. Like, I, I, I truly believe it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 says this, But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I love how he says that see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I, I have a, I, I believe that, that tithing, even in my own, my own family, my kids, I think it has a direct impact on the next generation, to be honest with you. I teach my kids that, 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 that God, God deserves the first, the first and best out of our lives. And I sometimes wonder, you know, in our, in our current culture where we have a, a generation of kids that are straying and wandering away from the faith, I sometimes wonder, 
if some of that is because they've watched parents that proclaim trust in God, but have never seen it demonstrated tangibly. That's the beauty of what I love about the tithe, is that it is a tangible demonstration before heaven and hell, and before my kids, before my co, before people around me and my neighbors, that God comes first in my life. It's a tangible demonstration of trust in him. <laughs> and it's God's remedy for this spirit of mammon that is pre uh, prevailing our culture. And he wants to bring freedom into it. So, test him in it. That's what he says. He says, test me in it. I don't want you to feel condemned if you've never trusted him in this area of your life. Don't feel like you're less than or that if you're struggling, we, I, I believe I understand how difficult of a change this would be in your life. It may simply be just your next step. I don't know what it is that God's calling you to. But maybe you, you make a commitment. Say, you know what? This is, this, is, this is an area of my life that I just, I feel like God's leading me to. I want to encourage you just to test a minute, like he says. Just test me. See that I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing that you can't even hold onto. Amen? First Corinthians chapter 11. The Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. Lord Jesus, even as we just partake in communion, it is an outward sign of an inward work. It's an outward celebration of something that you've done deep in the inside of each and every single one of us. Lord, I thank you that you continually show us ancient paths, that you continually show us ways that we can walk in blessing. And sometimes it's hard and sometimes it comes through unlikely ways. But Lord, I pray that we would continually trust you, not just in word, but in deed. Not just in, in thought, but in action. Jesus, we trust you. We trust you with the tithe. We trust you with, with our lives. We trust you with, 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 with our health, Lord God, that, that everything we have comes from you. So Jesus, I pray that today, even as we lift your name up in worship today, that we would lift you up higher than me. That we would lift your name higher than my thoughts and, and my needs and, and the things that I would like to see happen, Jesus. And there's something that you, there's something that you're trying to communicate to us that when we lift you up and we're not seeking after blessing, we're seeking after blessing you, you bless us. Lord, we thank you for that. As we sing today, as we end in worship, if you've got a prayer need in any area of your life, I would love you to just come up here. We'd love to pray God into your situation. Maybe you got some news this week and you just need to know that God is the God of salvation. He's the God, he's your provider. Whatever that area is, please give us an opportunity to be able to pray God into your situation. Lord Jesus, I pray 
that, that today would be a day of decision making. Lord God, I pray that today would be a day where we choose to walk in your favor, to walk in your grace, to walk in obedience and trust, knowing that, that we, had, we would have nothing without you. Lord, we thank you that you are the giver of all good things. We thank you for increase. Lord, I pray that today, that this week would be a week where every, every single person will be reminded that you alone are their provider, that you are their all in all, that all good and all good gifts come from you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.